Matthew chapter number 18, we won't stand reverence the word of God. We can stand, we can, but we don't have to. But we will, wherever the word of God, i got a lot of scripture to read. Uh, Matthew chapter number 18, verse 21, the Bible says, if you found your place, say amen. amen. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had brought begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and payment be made. Servant therefore fell down, worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of thy servant was um, of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I have had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts, from your hearts, from your hearts, forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Pray for me, please, J.D. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. This passage begins as Peter and Jesus are having a conversation. And as Jesus has just given them what we know uh, as uh, the, the parable where he gives them. And he says, moreover, we know we use this in church. We use this in different ways. If thy brother trespass against thee, uh, leave your what you have on the altar. And go to him, go to him, come to him, deal with that. Uh, and then if he will not repent, if he still will not repent at that time, take two witnesses with you, do it again. And then if he won't repent that time, bring him in front of the church. And if he does not repent, then mark him off, mark him done, don't worry about it anymore. Uh, and that's just what it is. Uh, call him a heathen and add, mark him as a publican, the Bible says. Uh, and a um, heathen man. Where, verily I say unto you, 18, where, whatsoever ye bind on heaven shall be loosed on, bound, bound in heaven, and whatsoever she loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth, earth asking, uh, excuse me, as touching anything that shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together and in my midst. 
My name there, I am I in the midst of them. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of different things that Christ is addressing here. Uh, and he's, he's, he's calling out many different things. And, and we take verses out of context and we, we get taught verses out of context and that sort of stuff. Uh, um, but nonetheless, this is what he's saying here. Uh, we've looked at it before. We've been taught here before. and We've been looked at it and said, you are to forgive that man 490 times. Is that not what 70 times 7 is, is right? Remember when I, earlier in my study, in the study of, um, in the Sunday school hour, I said, you cannot just take everything just upon face value. Now you tell me you're going to count every 491s? You're going to count them? I believe that's the Lord's point here. I believe that's the Lord's point here. And so I believe as He's given this, as Christ has given us this parable, He's not dealing with salvation, but rather He's dealing with the life of a child of God. He's dealing with the life of a Christian. However, if we are going to be like Christ, forgiveness is not... Forgiveness is a choice that we are to make. And I'm going to be simple this morning. I'm going to preach on this thought 70 times 7. Notice four points with me. I'll be done. Number one, I want you to notice the standard demanded by the sovereignty. So he says here in verse 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till till, till seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now we understand what seventy times seven is. 7 times 7 is 49, so therefore in turn 70 times 7 would be 490. Am I right? And so we have all of that. We have all the calculation that the Lord put up on in front of us there. Uh, But we can look at this and simply look. Our text shows us that Peter is wondering about how many times. How many times he should forgive a brother. How many times he should forgive a brother who has sinned against him. And I read where in those days that the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis would taught that to forgive three times was sufficient. Three times, that's all you have to forgive. That's sufficient. So when Peter comes to Jesus and he says, seven times? You know, a finished work? You know, a complete thing? Seven times, is that all we're supposed to do? Even after all they all they knew was three times. So he said, I'm giving four more times. Is that all we should do, Lord? Lord said, No. But rather seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. So 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 the Lord was not impressed with the answer of Peter, but I'm kind of impressed by it. Because a lot of times we don't give each other a second chance. So the Lord responded and he said 70 times 7. I don't know if this is going to go to anybody this morning, but I just know the Lord told me to preach it, okay? And so, so, so I, I'm sure Peter thought in his mind, how in the world can I remember somebody trespassing me 70 times 7? How in the world can I remember somebody sinning against me 490 times? Now I promise you, you will not count it down. And I believe that's the Lord's point here. 
I believe exactly that's what the Lord's pointing And I could go over to Luke chapter 17 and read you some passages where Brother Floor preached out of the other day. And I, I could read you this and, and, and where the Bible says uh, that, that, that take heed to yourself. It, let me see. It, it is impossible that offenses will come. But woe in him though who they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he should be cast in the sea than he should offend one of, my little, one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself, and thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again and repent, I say, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if he had faith as a grain of mustard seed, he shall say unto this sycamine tree, be thou moved up, plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. So, so, so he's comparing it to the sycamine tree. I'm not going to preach that message. He preached the message. You can listen to it if you want to. But, but the simple fact is, is Jesus is not giving a limit to forgiveness. There's no limits to forgiveness. Simple as I can put it. There's no limits to forgiveness. Not one, not two, not three, not four. If somebody does you wrong, you ought to forgive them. And if it takes forgiving over and over, as Christians, that's exactly what you and I should do. And it really isn't our job to keep score of how many times somebody's wronged us anyways. If vengeance is of the Lord in everything else, then vengeance is of the Lord in this too. And if we're right with the Lord, we should always be willing to forgive the other. I said that straight as I could. Always be willing to forgive the other. I don't care if it's a marital relationship, a friendship, whatever it is, we should always be willing to forgive the other. Hebrew, I mean Ephesians, this, this verse ain't in there. I'm just, I'm just trying to focus on the Lord this morning. Ephesians in chapter number 4. In verse number 32, and be kind-hearted one to another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So our limits of forgiving is as many times as God forgives. Now you tell me how many times God's forgiven you. Anybody added that up? I sure haven't, man, but I know it's a lot of times. I know it's a lot of things. I know it's a lot of trespasses. I know it's a lot of sins. I know it's a lot of things. But the, Christ, but the Lord has demanded a standard. And the standard is always. Second, I want you to notice not only the standard, but the sample demonstrated by the sovereignty. So, so he gives us this parable. Jesus responds to the question of Peter with this Parable, okay? He, he uses a simple illustration to teach a profound truth uh, in our lives. And this parable could be divided into three different scenes. It could be divided uh, into the first part, the second part, and the third part. And that, uh, I may try to bring that up. But this first deal, this first scene deals with uh, the sample that the Lord has given us here. It's very, very simple. And he demonstrates some profound truth with you. Notice, verse 23, the Bible says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain man. Excuse me, certain king. Which would take account of his servants. 
And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. So there's money owed. There's money owed. The king was taking account of the debts that his servants owed him. And he looked and that certain servant owed him 10,000 talents. Some estimates suggest that the debt would have been in the tens of millions of dollars in today's economy. The tens of millions in today's economy. That's a lot of money. The servant owed him a debt that he could really never repay. And, and it would be impossible for him to ever work out or ever obtain any amount of money necessary to satisfy this debt. Now understand, this is a parable. right? It's a story that the Lord is using an illustration. And so, so is that not the same condition that each of us have found ourselves in? You know, we all owed a debt that we could never pay. And there would never be enough time, there would never be enough money, there would never be enough works uh, or resources to buy our salvation. It's not a salvation message. But we could never buy it enough. We stood condemned before God because of the debt that we owed. uh, And I want you to keep this enormous debt in your mind as we move through these verses. Tens of millions of dollars. There was money owed. Look in verse 25. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. His wife, children, and all that he had payment to be made. So, so there's a mandate which are ordered here. It's an order. It's a command from his Lord. And when it was revealed that the servant owed him some 10,000 talents, the king commanded that the servant, his wife, his children, and all that he had be sold. Why? Because there was a money owed. It was a debt. And this servant stood accountable for the debt and he stood to lose it all. He stood accountable for his own debt. He and his family were going to be sold into slavery and his home, his land, his possessions were to be sold to go straight towards the debt. He was faced with a life of bondage. Right? He was faced with a life of despair. As long as he was going to live, he would never pay it off, but everything he had, he was going to give to this debt. The mandate was that. You're going to be sold. Your wife's going to be sold. Your children are going to be sold. Your land's going to be sold. Your cattle's going to be sold. Everything you have is going to be sold. And you're going to live under that bondage for the rest of your life. Now you tell me, is that not like us? We were not all bound in sin, separated from God because of the debt. Weren't we all? Separated from God because we owed a debt? We were all separated from God because of the debt that we owed and we would never be able to settle the debt we owed by simply becoming a bond slave to sin. Never be able to do that. As long as we were in bondage, even as long as we lived, the debt would remain. We were hopeless to resolve the debt we owed within ourselves. Nothing we could have done would have resolved the debt we owed. 
But the mandate was that you're all going to be sold. And I'm going to get what you have. It's what we deserved. There's money owed and mandate ordered. Then there's a misery, obviously. Notice in verse 26, the the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. I'll pay thee all. Upon hearing the news of his coming bondage, upon hearing the news that he he was fixing to be put in jail, Upon hearing that, uh, the servant humbled himself before the king uh, and he fell on his face and he worshipped, uh, begging for patience and begging for mercy. And there was the only recourse he had, the only thing he could lean on. Uh, he had no means of settling the debt at that moment. Uh, immediately, where could he possibly come up with that much money? He did the only thing he could do. He pleaded for mercy. And I remember the day. I remember the day when I was confronted with a debt I owed. I remember that day. I realized, I remember that day that the king of kings, and I realized that the king of kings demanded that I be made righteous in his sight. I remember that day. I do. I remember the horror of uh, of misery and, and despair as I realized I and myself was hopeless. Nothing I could do was going to do this. And the same king, the same king that was fixing to put him in the jail was the same king that he had to plead to. And I realized that at that moment I bowed in humility to the king of kings and I begged for mercy and he was right. I owed a debt that I could never repay. But he paid a debt that he did not owe. And the only hope that I had was his righteous mercy. Was his mercy. And I did the only thing I could. I pleaded for mercy. Misery comes before mercy, friend. There's misery obvious. And then there's mercy obtained. In verse 27, Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him, forgave him the debt. Now this king was moved with compassion for the servants. There's many times in Scripture when Jesus was moved with compassion. Uh, When he looked upon the crowd in Matthew chapter 9, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. He had pity on him uh, in his desperate condition. uh, And no doubt the king considered the life of this man. uh, You know, he must have had, uh, he must have thought of his wife. uh, He must have thought of his children. uh, Oh, with that the king, the the king did a great thing. He forgave the debt. All 10,000 talents. He declared the debt completely forgiven. The servant was no longer accountable for his debt, right? Tens of millions of dollars. What a picture we see of the mercy and forgiveness of Christ. And friend, he alone had the authority to forgive our debt. He's the only one that could do it. He had alone had the power to pardon the sin that caused our separation. And, and as he hung upon the cross, he declared our judgment, our judgment, our redemption as he cried. It is finished. It is finished. And Jesus proclaimed that his work was, was through and his work was done. And man's debt had been settled and God was now satisfied. Friend, isn't it amazing that Jesus would do that for me? 
It's amazing that Jesus would do that for you. Uh, He assumed our death, uh, paying it in full on the cross. Uh, And we all know that there's only one way uh, to be reconciled to God, uh, and that's through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, And But the amazing thing is, uh, is that there is a way at all. God didn't have to send His Son to die for our sin and forgive our debt. But I rejoice they did. Amen, friend. Amen. The standard demonstrated by sovereignty. The sample demonstrated uh, uh, by sovereignty. Thirdly, I want you to notice the scene displayed by the servant. He goes on and he makes a scene. The Bible says in verse 28, but the same servant. So it's the same servant. We're speaking of the same servant. It's just all his debt's been forgiven, right? And so this servant has certainly been forgiven much. Lots and lots of money. And you would think his life would have never been the same. We're not pro- preaching on getting saved this morning. If you want to get saved, you can get saved this morning. But, but we're not preaching on that. Because when he got forgiven, his life should have never been the same. His life should have completely changed. Should have been a 360. Things should have been different. We're talking about the life of a Christian here. Let's look at this scene. We see into this as the servant shows a scene, makes a scene of himself. It really isn't what I expected to find this man. But before we give him such a hard time, we're going to have to realize how much we do that stuff too. Amen, friend. Once you notice, there's three things. There's poor mindset. Verse 28, the servant's same servant went out, found one of his fellow servants. Now, he had just been forgiven this debt. And that same servant went out. He went out of his way to find one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. You know how much that is? Let me tell you how much that is. So according to that, it is approximately $15. Fifteen dollars in today's economy. Fifteen dollars. And this man went and found him to pay this. After he'd just been forgiven tens of millions of dollars. There was a difference in the debts these men owed. It's quite a bit of difference. I mean, it was literally one of a million. I mean, it was a big difference and there was no comparison at all. And yet the uh, the servant here uh, took him by the throat and he demanded to be paid immediately. Let's read the rest of the verse. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. He, he demanded it. He demanded. Uh, he soon, uh, he soon uh, totally forgot the enormous debt that had just been forgiven him. He forgot about it. There's a great lesson here. Consider all that Jesus did for you. Consider it. Consider all that he did for you, how he forgave your sin debt. Consider it all. Yet how many times are we unwilling to forgive a word that was said? Or something that was done by mistake with no harm intended. 
Can you just see where we, where we behave just like this earth? I'm telling you, there's no comparison to what Jesus did for us, and yet we cannot forgive sometimes. Because I don't know who this applies to, but I'm just preaching it this morning. We soon forget our part. Why? Because we're bent on having things our way. We're bent on getting even. We're just not happy anymore. We allow anger, we allow bitterness to invade our hearts. It's a poor mindset, by the way. Secondly, I want you to notice a pleading man and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me and I'll pay thee all. It's just what he said earlier. He's saying the same thing. And this poor servant responded the, the exact same way that he did. He pled for mercy. He was willing to repay the debt. He was willing to make it right. He was willing to do all of that if he only had the opportunity to. Unlike the prior debt, the servant would be able to pay this debt and settle it. He just needed a little more time. He just needed a little bit more compassion. He just needed a little bit more cooperation. Have we not found ourselves in the self-same situation? Have there not been times when someone has wronged you and asked for forgiveness? They knew there was a debt that needed to be settled. They just need a little compassion, cooperation. Have we? How have we responded? Were you willing to extend the same exact forgiveness that Jesus forgave you? I'm telling you, support. This is things that Waylon needs to know at his age. People's going to wrong him. People's going to wrong you. People's going to wrong me. But if we hold on to it, even if they don't come for forgiveness, if we hold on to it, why? We're not displaying the, the Lord Jesus. We're not. I don't care what they've done. You can never line up. I can ne- nobody, none of y'all can do anything to me that I haven't done worse to Christ and he forgave me. Seriously. And it's a poor mindset if you're going to do that. And it's a pleading man here that we see. Look at verse 30. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison until he should pay the debt. There's a prisoned man now. He went from a pleading man to a prisoned man. Unlike the mercy shown by the king, this servant showed no mercy. He had been forgiven much, but he was unwilling to forgive little. And the fact is, friend, I I tell you, your lack of forgiving is your lack of being forgiven. That's what has been said many times. If a person cannot forgive somebody else, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but if a person cannot forgive somebody else, then Christ, man, I'm telling you, Christ says the kingdom of heaven is the same way. And so shall the heavenly Father do likewise. I'm telling you the truth this morning. It's easy to condemn the action of others, but we often fail to realize what the Lord has done for us. We do. We are all deserved to be in hell this morning. We do, but Jesus forgave our sin debt. He did, and the Lord showed compassion. He showed compassion on those who would 
never have been forgiven apart from him. How do we respond to a brother who's wronged us? Were we not all guilty or worse at the same time? We're often quick to judge and demand some harsh penalties on other people. I'll never in my life understand why in the world people can get by with the things they get by with today. I'll never understand in my life why there's people that's serving in prison today that didn't do anything either. I'll never in my life understand why in the world child molesters can get by with what they get by with. But it is not your job to be mad at them. As hard as that is. It is not your job. I don't listen, I'll go as far as saying it doesn't matter. If they come in and do something to my own child, I will gladly take my gun and handle it. But it's not my place to do it. Everybody with me, right? It's not my place to not forgive them. It's not my place. I know it got real quiet. It's dumb. I understand. But I'm just telling you the truth. I am to forgive. I don't. The person that killed 500 people could still be saved and in heaven with you. Understand that, right? You realize, I've read this, you realize that Paul walked into heaven with the cheers of those who he martyred? You realize that? You realize he walked into heaven as a sinner saved by grace, by the cheers of all the Christians who he had already martyred. Saul was the one who was the coat hanger for the stoning of Stephen, man full of the Holy Ghost. Yet Saul walked into heaven. Paul walked into heaven with the cheers of Stephen. I'm telling you, there's nobody too far that God doesn't love them. God loves every child molester, every single one of them. I believe that. Whether you love them or not, God does. And it's something very serious that we must consider because this world's only going to go downhill. Till Jesus comes. Perilous times are here. It's only going to be harder. And there's no reason that in any way, shape, or form that we should hold uh, something against somebody who never done anything to us particularly. Matter of fact, there's no reason we should hold anything against somebody who done something to us particularly. Right? I've showed you the scripture. We're often eased to penalize those who do stuff to us while we overlook our own sins.
has come again, right? The same exact king has come and he's in front of you. Notice, verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord... After that, he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. So there is a simple reminder here. With the news of all the mess that's going on, the king calls again for the servant to be brought before him. He reminds him of the debt that he owed him. Man, it's a good thing the Lord doesn't do that to us. He reminds him of the debt that he owed, and it's likely that he reminded him that there was no possibility that the debt uh, could ever have been paid. And so he reminded him of the compassion. He reminded him of the pity. He reminded him of uh, all the forgiveness and, and everything, and he just, he just requested, he, he reminded him that. And I think God would have to Remind us sometimes of our forgiveness. Not necessarily what we did, but our forgiveness. Maybe the Lord would remind us of our forgiveness. There's not a child of God in this place this morning uh, who has not been forgiven. He's been forgiven of all of their sins. He's pardoned us from everything. He's redeemed us. And we have been set free. I tell you, friend, he did that for us because we came before him with a humble heart, just as this guy did. He came before me, bowed before me in humility. We didn't deserve it, but God gave it. It'd do us good to remember sometimes where the Lord forgave us from. Simple reminder, there's a sudden rebuke in verse 33. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? The king fully expected the servant to show the same compassion and the same mercy that he showed to him. He said, should you not have offered the same mercy and pity I offered you? Should you not? Can I tell you, God expects the same forgiveness He's forgiven us. He does. Who, who among us with a raise of hands have given their sons for their sins? None of us. None of us. None of us has given our sons to cover our sins. None of us has given our sons for, to cover your sins either. If Elisha had to die for your sins, I don't think I'd do it. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, who among us has been forgiven? Yeah, I sure have. We cannot please God if we're unwilling to forgive. You'll never be able to please God if you're unwilling to forgive. You'll never live a victorious life if the Lord in the Lord if you are unwilling to forgive. I'm telling you the truth. Get it settled. Move on for the glory of God. 
we see there's a sudden rebuke. We see there's suitable reversal. In verse 20 34, the Bible says, And his Lord was wroth, delivered him to the tormentors, to she should pay all that was due unto him. Beginning to close, because of his unwillingness to forgive a small matter, the servant was cast into prison until all his debt was paid. Now you tell me how long that would be. His Lord reversed everything that had to be done. There would be no more mercy. There would be no more pardoning. Every penny of the debt was to be paid in full. And he lived a life of bondage because he was unwilling to forgive. He lived a life of bondage because he was unwilling to forgive. Keep in mind, it's not a salvation message. It's not a salvation message. You'll not lose your salvation, but you can live in bondage. You can live in bondage to bitterness, bondage to anger, bondage to resentment because you are unwilling to forgive. You can live in those things. He may allow you to spend the rest of your life in misery because you're unwilling to forgive another of something they have done. There are those who are out of God's will and even out of church today simply because they could not forgive somebody inside the house of God. There's been people left this church all because they could not forgive me or somebody else inside of this church. God forgave a multitude of sin in each of our lives. And it was all hanging in the pendulum on his son. On his son. And I'll tell you the truth this morning. He fully expects that from us too. Fully expects that from us. The Lord concluded this parable by saying, So likewise shall my heavenly Father... Do also unto you, if ye for from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their transpasses. If you're unwilling to forgive, God will punish us for that unforgiving spirit. 100%. He'll never bless you if you can't forgive. Never. I'm telling you. You might argue that and... I don't know what others has done. I don't know any of that kind of stuff. Well, what did what did men do to Jesus? And while we were yet sinners, he still loved us. Amen. You say, I just don't know. I just can't. I can't get rid of it. I cannot forgive them. I can't live a happy life. That's because of it. That's the reason. That's the reason. You'll never live a happy life if you're bitter. You'll never live a happy life. Bitterness and happiness are complete opposites with one another. They're contrasted to one another. And I'm telling you, until you suffered as he did, he suffered his life. And he still forgave. 
telling you, we must as well. Will you stand to your feet this morning? morning. Lord, help us, God, in every way. We pray, God, that your will would be done this morning in each heart, Lord, each individual's life. Lord, that we would learn how to forgive as Christ forgave us, Lord. For the debt, God, that I owed is just astronomical. Lord, I had such a big debt, but Lord, I'm thankful, God, that you paid it for me. You paid it in full. Ask you, God, to help me forgive others as Christ, for God's sake, has forgiven you. Forgive in me as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven me. Lord, help me, Lord, in every way. This morning, help your people. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we do pray. Amen.